Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 23 of the Main Stand podcast. It's me returning, Josh Ricker, with my two buddies, Mitchell and Pat. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing great. Welcome back, Dad. My knees are sore. It's cold in Maine, and I'm ready for another Liverpool win this weekend. It was fucking cold in Maine. I was expecting Maine to be warmer, and it's it. Minnesota and Maine are just the two same states halfway across the country. It's just cold in both places. It's, it's it, we're at we're at that part in the year where it's just like incredibly raw outside. That's oh just like God. yeah, it's way too cold. Best way to put it. I uh, I'm on another sleepless night, so at uh, 5:30 when I was going to get my Starbucks to keep going. I had to stop and get gas, and it was negative five. No, I'm good with that. I know the new job is fully remote for the time being, so I am like loving it. I don't gotta ever have to leave my house. I'm warm. It's perfect for me. I haven't gone outside in like four months. It's a, it's <laughs> insane. So like, I I know how you feel. It's a good feeling when you first get here, but then you get sucked into it. Hey. I love it. But you get to you get to watch a lot of footy. It's true. No comment. Um, let's dive right in, boys. Uh, we have we have a, quite a bit to talk about, a lot to catch up with. I mean, we're not going to talk too much about last week's uh, or the weekend's fixtures, but we do have some kind of just some trending stories from the past couple days that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, the first one being uh, an ex-Arsenal captain, current Arsenal player, Granite Xhaka. <laughs> just, just a couple days after getting a red card against Liverpool, Get, finds himself in this thing this morning. The FA Cup is a, apparently investigating an Arsenal player. Now, basically, they've whittled it down to this Jaka incident against Leeds. This hasn't been confirmed by the FA or anything like that. Um, but they did confirm it was an Arsenal player. Some sort of betting anomaly about a player getting a yellow card. Um, that seems suspicious. There was an incident at Leeds where Granite Jaka... Um, is on the free kick. Arsenal are up 4-1 with about five minutes left to go in the game. And he basically just stands there, kind of trying to waste time. His teammates are even running to the ball to show him, like, hey, here's an option. And he just refuses to pass to them until he gets a yellow. Uh, and everyone is screaming corruption. So it, it had to be Granite Shaka, didn't it, guys? It is the most yeah, Granite Shaka thing to when... happen. When you were telling us, you know, the details of that uh, before we started, that's just like, it It had to be him, right? It, it, there's no other player that in right now, maybe Yang, honestly, but there's no other player like at Arsenal that feels like they are going to find themselves in like that situation other than one of those two being, you know, Xhaka or Yang. It's not even like shithouse, is it? It's just like being no. stupid. Right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Shaka's stupidity is almost like Luis Suarez and biting people. Like it's just they go hand in hand. And if if this comes out to be any any sort of true, it's hilarious. And what are the repercussions? Because if 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 it comes out that this is the actual situation, obviously we're just talking speculation here. Could Arsenal get a points dock? Could Xhaka end up getting a ban? I think you'll we'll get a ban. See. So I was telling Mitch before we hopped on, the last time this happened was six years ago. It was like a championship or league one side. Um, and the guy did the same thing. It was like a yellow card situation. I think he did it in multiple FA Cup ties. So he did it in multiple games, and he got a six-year ban from the FA. this could be serious because if you guys remember this happened to daniel sturridge actually too where but he did it for uh, a bet on him leaving on a transfer so nothing in game related um but he got docked a year from the fa for that so something in game Jaka getting a yellow card he could be facing a a few year ban from the fa which means he'll probably probably uh talk off out to roma in italy I just all can't I gotta, believe he was a captain of Arsenal Football Club. All I got to say is, like, you make enough money playing the game to begin with. Why meddle in bets on yourself? Like, why do you need the extra money? Like, I feel like that's just, like, the dumbest thing you could do as an athlete is bet on yourself. 
when it comes to actually putting money on a bet. Like, go all in on yourself, please. But don't fix a game or fix a situation just to get a payout. Like, that's just that that's just like a here, look at me, I'm an idiot, like neon sign floating above your head. Do you think it was for him or do you think it was like for a buddy? It's like a buddy's a little strapped for cash. He doesn't want to give him any of his money. You know, either Grant, way, either getting way. A yellow card isn't that surprising of a scenario. No, no. Shaka loves getting carded. Why then why help him with such like a an easy bet that his buddy put like fucking three hundred thousand dollars on it? It was obviously big enough to trigger it like it was the betting company that triggered the response of this is crazy weird and they reached out to the FA. So there's some shady shit going on. It, it had to be Arsenal, it had to be Xhaka, but this is like the biggest story of the day on football Twitter. My last my last point with it is does a six year Xhaka hypothetical ban actually help Arsenal? Yes. <laughs> they don't have to play him anymore. <laughs> He's bad, man. I, I just can't get over him. He he might be one of the more comical footballers in the two thousand tens. Oh yeah. Yes, for sure. It's just like I feel like all the the comedy players play at Arsenal. Yeah. Lord Bentner. Like I'll, I'll give a Lord Bentner shout right now. I mean, Bentner, you've got the shit with Addy Bayor and the yeah. Yep. Nasri, like Sammy Nasri, yep. Just shit absolute sham shambles. What a club. <laughs> the next biggest story from the weekend, it was a game I was watching at Rira in Portland. My man's Coutinho. Mitch, show him the back of your jersey. Coutinho. He's I back had, in I, the Premier League, man. He's balling. Had to do it. Balling already. Goal and assist. Coming off the bench, man. Him and this, uh, the Jacob Ramsey kid. I mentioned him a couple episodes ago. Balling at Villa. They they tie it up to, to get a draw against Manchester United, and the scenes in that Villa end were just unreal. Yeah, they look it's, really good, man. They do they look very good. And um, you know, J- Coutinho post match just saying he missed the Premier League, he missed being out there, and he was just excited. You know, like you could tell he felt like he was at home, and and that was evident. You know came on the pitch made an an instant impact huge goal and an assist for the club and uh helped secure a point and absolutely taking the piss out of the manx it had you love to see it it's the other side of manchester so i love to see it (laughs) but with coutinho's first massive performance back in the premier league the rumors are starting to actually firm up that we could see Luis Suarez make the move this summer to Aston Villa for his return to the Premier League. I know I mentioned it last week, but it's kind of, it seems like a good fit. You know, if Gerrard is having this team play the way he wants them to, he, he just made two incredibly large signings for that side, especially going into the second half of the season it's going to be a place people want to come and play. It's a respected captain for for over a decade for one of the be- biggest Premier League clubs. And now he's managing and he's finding success almost immediately. So if he's able to get the band back together and, uh, and lure Suarez in over the summer, I think that could be a massive, massive, um, boost to to Aston Villa's you know status as a club in the Premier League. I'd be interested to see if if Gerard could pull some guys that aren't former teammates, and that's no knock on him. I think just like being able to pull Coutinho to come play at Villa yep. is insane, and even for there to be Suarez rumors and then feel like they could come true is also insane. But I feel like if so Villa appoint Gerard, and the next logical step is like to really take a couple steps forward and like, you know, really try to push for like top eight in the Premier League, like hopeful top six. But you know what I mean? Like you bring in these kind of guys and, you know, you expect a team 
with Suarez and Coutinho, even at like the tail ends of their careers to be like, you know, pushing for, you know, like more than just like a, like a steady middle of the pack finish, which is like Villa would consider good this year. Um, I, I would be interested to see if Jared can keep them playing this well and then pull in some guys that might not, you know, he might not be able to call him up on the phone and be like, Hey, it's me, Stevie G. Remember when we played together? And like that, but (laughs) try and like actually bring in like real talent that isn't like associated with him already or, or with what he did in the past. What did you make of the Lucas Dina signing? Because that one was weird to me because supposedly he was leaving because of Rafa, but he left like two days before Rafa got sacked. I think Dina just wanted out, honestly. Everything are just an absolute disaster right now. Yeah, oh, even 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 Rafa getting sacked, um, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna improve the side. Like the t- the the timing is so piss poor. Like t- like if they if they had done it, you know, maybe a month ago, and had somebody that was in there as an interim manager or somebody that was helping push them in the direction that they want to go for the foreseeable foreseeable future, but they don't, they sack them right after the first week and a half of the, the winter window, you have no room to improve. Now you have no clear direction and you just lost one of your best defenders, if not top players. So like a weird appointment at Everton in general. So why, uh, I want your guys take on this real quick. Why don't they just give Duncan Ferguson like a, a full shot at being manager? Because it seems like they always get a bounce in form when he takes over. I, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Last year, I remember when he took over, I feel like they really picked it up. And like, I feel like he's done that multiple times now. Why don't they just give him a run? I think Everton are trying to take that. And this is just my two cents. It feels to me like Everton are trying to take that like next step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Appointing a guy, like, especially with the Benitez appointment. Like, they appointed, like, a really successful pass manager. They splashed all that cash on all those new midfielders. Like, they, they were really trying to build this mm. this new feeling team. And then I, I feel like them appointing Duncan, you know, appointing him kind of feels like a step in a different direction than what the board maybe want Everton to be doing, which is why I don't think he's really gotten his chance. Uh, That being said, I think if he can turn the ship around and get Everton back into good form, if they don't give him a full season, they're insane. Honestly, like he's got the fans, like it just seems crazy. He's also just Everton through and through. Like he, he makes sense. He understands it. And like, I just feel like he's the, the smartest bet at the moment. They're not going to get anyone else better than him, and I just don't. No. If you're not going to ever appoint him as manager, like when something like this happens, why are you keeping him around? Because you know he's the one instilling that culture in the dressing room of like showing players what Everton is and what Everton was. If you're never going to make him manager, what's the point of that? Because then you're just keeping someone around whose views and culture might not align with the current manager. It's the same thing of keeping Michael Carrick around Manchester United. What the fuck is the point of it? But that's my take it's, on Everton. It, I, I mean, mean they're shit for a reason. So I do. I do have one last thing to say. Uh, just shout out to all the Agent Rafa memes. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite one has been Benitez, the spy who shagged Everton, and it lists what Benitez's accomplishments were as the Liverpool inside agent um, and on the blue side of Merseyside. Got rid of the director of football, director of medical, head of recruitment, and manager of scouting. Sold James Rodriguez. Sold Ooh. Lucas Dine to Steven Gerrard. Ooh. Lost the Merseyside Derby Ooh. 4-1. And left them in 16th uh, fighting for their fucking lives. So, Rafa, oh, Rafa. <laughs> so I, I'm going to miss Rafa at the wheel. I really am. Um, sorry, not sorry. Uh, this will be my last. We're spending a lot of time on Rafa, and I promise I'll be done after this. But Jamie Carragher kind of called this how like Rafa's historically had this very much of a a cold heart when it comes to players. He's very like transactional as a manager, and Kara called that like that absolutely does not work in like the current dressing room. You need someone like that's transactional. 
uh, that's really going to transform a dressing room, and he's just not that guy in, like, a modern dressing room, which I think is why he's been passed around, you know, like a spliff lately. Uh, so shout out to Jamie Carragher for kind of calling that. He, he, I feel like Roth is stuck in like 2003. Yeah. He's like Arsene Wenger, like at the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel, but my my thing is, I feel like Wenger could come back and actually do a good job at some clubs. I think he realized though, after getting sacked, I think he came to a realization that he was in the wrong. So I do agree with you, Pat. I think when he came back, he would understand that he has to change. Right. Yeah. I, Rafa, it, like Mitch said, feels like he's stuck in the in the early two thousands. Yeah, there's no changing him. It's like, I ever he looks the same. He hasn't changed a bit. He's probably still wearing the same suits. Like, I don't know. Just like definite, definitely time to probably hang him up at this point after what he did yeah. uh, at Everton. We'll see. Last, we will see. last little Premier League story. Well, I guess we have another one, too. We're going to talk about Spurs here in a second. But Harvey Elliott back in training. This one's more of a me so and Mitch thing. Exciting. But wow, that's exciting. And those new training uh, ranges. That... If if we Ooh. don't see our away kit looking Ooh. like that next year, year, like dark forest green with black and gold highlights, like if I don't see that, I'm going to be fuming. Those training tops are Fuego, I'm gonna be looking like I'm in House of Gucci when I get all this training stuff, man. It's <laughs> unreal. They're, they're definitely playing off the Gucci colors the past couple years, which I'm fine with. It's kind of funny. Uh, I love those new training kits, though. Holy they're so shit. clean. And, and Harvey's and, back. Harvey, and Harvey's what an back. addition, especially with those guys. I know he's not back, back, but like with everyone at Afcon, like we're finding a way to work him back at the team, like and having a oof. fresh you know exciting creative midfielder who is starting to get healthy again is very 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 good to see we love the transfer so activity ex- right New transfer. like i don't ca- i don't care if he comes out for his first appearance whenever it is and puts up a stinker i'm just happy the kid has overcome a vicious ankle injury and is back within the same season and is is not relenting on his mindset. It's good to see. And then uh, just a quick touch here, because uh, I know we talk a lot about the U.S. men's national team, so it's relevant. Um, the anti-homophobic chants in Mexico, I believe this takes place in their domestic league and in international fixtures. Anyone that gets caught doing that is sentenced to a five-year ban for uh, attending matches, which that's been a problem ever since I've been watching U.S. men's uh, soccer or, like, CONCACAF. So I thought that was, like, a kind of a cool thing that came through today on Twitter uh, that's taking place here pretty soon. CONCACAF's getting sneaky, like, aggressive. You you know what I mean? Like, when you start playing these South American teams, that it's just a different culture, and it can get it can get sticky and the rivalry that we have with mexico is up there with international soccer rivalries so it's good to see that they're cracking down on on the bullshit yeah i i think that's true too just from like a oh excuse me sorry i just drink a lot of seltzer water really fast um just from like a health of the game standpoint i i think keeping the sport as inclusive as possible and you know banter is banter um i will sit here all day and tell mitch how shit liverpool is sitting right Mm -hmm. next to him and will exchange anything to do with performance on the pitch and just like relevant jokes about players but there's certain shit that just kind of crosses the line and i I think every step that the game can take to take it that out of it makes it a better place for for everyone yeah Yeah, i mean at the end of the day it's it's about the game it's about the game you don't have to add all this other slander and i feel like within the last couple of years it like with the focus on no room for racism and and taking a knee to start matches and you know it's been it's been at the forefront of the message that the premier league's been putting out for two years now and i feel like with that being said we're still getting it's not it's not racism now it's you know it's 
other stuff. It's about sexual preference or dead people. Like it's, it's beginning to be a very toxic, violent, verbal, like argument between fans. And it's, it's not about the game anymore. Well, I I just think the internet has kind of made way for these little fucking cretins that exist on like Twitter and in the deep corners of Instagram that are, you know, it's shit too when you go up to like fucking Turf Moor and Burnley and they like boo taking the knee and like stuff like that. Like it's just there and especially in the Premier League, I think there's like such a diversity in like inclusion and what people like want and think is right. And I think uh you know, that's definitely wrong and something that, you know, while the Premier League's pushing it, you know there needs to be more stuff, you know, put in place to to prevent fans need like to that. take it on themselves. Yeah. At the end exactly. of the day. Just be a better person. Yep. And that's why Burnley, you can Fuck off to the championship. <laughs> uh, and then the last here thing, the last quick hit we have before getting into the Fiorentina forecast. Um, I, I have this one because we just got done watching uh, Spurs and Leicester not that long ago. What a match. What a finish. Uh, that's that's the Premier League at its finest. It, Absolutely. I mean, for those who didn't watch, game was 2-1. Leicester was winning. Looks like they were going to see it out. And Bergwijn scores two goals in the matter of nine seconds i mean two minutes probably real time in like game time it was like i think there was like nine seconds remaining he scored and then it ended like nine seconds after i think the 95th minute of extra time or the fifth Mm -hmm. minute of extra time yeah it was the 95th and the 90 or into the 95th and into the 97 and bergwine got a yellow card before these two goals as well so a yellow card and two goals in the matter of like five to seven minutes uh I, it was absolutely unreal, and I had no words for it, but it's starting to make me think, and I actually changed my bet on Rick's picks for the Tottenham-Chelsea game. I, I switched it after watching this match because I do think Conte is rounding the corner with this side to the point where they're going to start winning games they're not supposed to. They don't lose already, but now they're starting to prove people wrong, and Kane's a little bit back on form, See guys like Bergwijn who are like right on the fringe, actually starting to play better now. What do you guys think? Are Spurs still Spurs, or are they starting to round the corner with Conte as manager? No, it feels like there is a definite change in like the way things are going um, around, just like in general, just like around the the aura that is around Tottenham right now feels better. I think Conte is finally getting a chance to impose his football and he's starting to like instill some confidence in these guys who you know over the past couple of seasons have had some pretty you know after Pochettino feels like they've had some pretty like uninspired managers and it's it's just been like a generally difficult time for a lot of them um so so I think that Conte is really coming in I I think you're starting to see the difference of a manager who or you're starting to see the difference a manager can make in a dressing room like that really and I think kind of revitalizing the players who may not have been getting the minutes or the chances that they deserved somebody like Bergwijn who isn't necessarily playing out 90 minutes every single game, but he's able to come in to this game and make an, a game changing impact, like two unbelievably composed goals he looked like he looked like a top form player. Like he looked like he could fit into any any side right now, and it's only helping his draft stock if he decides to leave. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about him, Conte, um, making some signings and changing up the squad a little bit. But having these staples that have been through the trials and tribulations, Deli Ali finding a, a resurgence as well in his form. It, it only bodes well for the Spurs. It really does. I would love to have Farwell on to, to hear what he has to say about it, honestly. Uh, Farwell find it, finally getting a, a turn for good fortune here. So uh, Hey. Deserved. I, I mean, hey, it's, it's fan therapy for the mainstay. You know fan I mean? therapy for, does for not miss. Does not yeah, miss. It's true. I mean, uh, United, big 3-1 win over Brentford today. Yeah. That was a that was a crazy one too. And we have the Ronaldo talking at the end of the match with Ralph Ragnick after getting yanked. Uh, that was funny. I'll give Ralph credit. I don't think Ole would have done that ever. 
Mm-mm. So I think it has balls to, to do that, especially when he's like kind of just Ronaldo is a figure at the club. That's why it's dangerous to get a player like that. Cause you're signing someone that has equal or more value than your actual club. Uh, and to have, you know, a manager that's willing to actually sit him down and be like, Hey, stop throwing a fucking fit because you look ridiculous. You're turning 37 in a couple weeks and you're here like whining, talking to yourself. Uh, I think to have someone to do that is promising for Man United as much as I hate saying that. Uh, I, I want to agree with a little bit. I, I want to agree just fixing the egos that exist in that dressing room I think is a good thing, but I don't see much of a difference between Ralph and Ole in all honesty. Yeah, Ole maybe wouldn't have taken Ronaldo off, but I think the way the teams play and – just I don't I don't there's nothing that makes me think this man United team is going to get any better under Ralph, which as a city fan, love to see it. But just like in general, I don't know. I guess I see I agree with you, Josh. You know, Ole wouldn't have done that, and it is a good thing to see that they have a manager that's like doing something about these fucking egos that they have. But at the end of the day, I just still don't – I don't see anything in him, and I'm not, like, convinced he's really making that much of a difference because, like, they still play like shit. Yeah, do you think he's starting to turn the screw, though, that he's, like, starting to get this in the minds of players, and in the summer when he switches probably to this more kind of director, sporting director position where he's kind of overseeing transfers, scouting uh, – where he still can have that relationship with the players, but then he can sign a manager that actually has that same philosophy that is better tactically. I think that's where Man United get a little bit scary is if Ragnick does go to that sporting director role and can hire a coach with those same values and style. Yeah, no, that I agree with. I think it depends on a number of factors. Um, it depends on does – I mean, Man United is obviously still gonna, always going to have, like, that pull. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. They're Man United. They can pay you the money. They're, like, are probably still, like, one of, if not the biggest club, like, in, in the grand scheme of things. In the world. In England and in the world. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I just – I think they have a lot of problems. I think there's still just a lot of egos in that dressing room. I think signing Ronaldo ultimately hurt them in in the long run. I think it – kind of took them out of the running for a lot of the best talent in Europe right now because they play that same position. Mm. Like, United, like, just think Holland, for example. The two things United had going before signing Ronaldo were they needed an out-and-out, like, number nine for the future, and they had his former coach at, uh, is it Molda? Is that the name of the club? Yeah, they, they had those two big things going for them. Now they've signed a guy who needs to start every game and plays striker and they fired old. And that's just like one example. I mean, I mean, I don't think there was ever a universe where Mbappe was going to that club, but that's just like another player who I just don't see coming to a club that where you're not guaranteed time anywhere near your preferred position when you have a guy like Ronaldo around there. They just, also hired. They also paid eighty million dollars for a right winger, uh, which is another yeah, right. high Sanchez talent too. position that takes them out of a lot of other transfer talents. Um, and he's been pretty much shit since the start of the year. So, yeah, he. I'm just like not super convinced by him. Maybe they'll prove me very wrong in the summer, but yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ragnick's too. His his transfer philosophy, and he'll you know be a better scout and bring in some like legitimately good players. But United's track record is like fucking zero for ten right now. Is what it feels <laughs> like, man. They have not made a good signing in so long. Let's switch it over to Mitch here. We'll, we'll switch topics and countries. Um, Mitch, we need your Fiorentina forecast. We haven't had it in a in a nice week or so. So I need to hear your thoughts on Fiorentina and more specifically. Uh, do some Vlahovic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, the weather's looking actually quite sunny right now, boys. Um, although we've had some cloud covering uh, in in recent days, um, the boys just put on an absolute exhibition against Genoa, uh, winning six nil. Six nil. Um, that 
leaves them in a three-way tie for sixth place, but they are the rightful owners to sixth place on goal differential, um, up three goals, I believe, on the nearest below them. I, I believe it's still Roma. Um, this weekend, the boys in purple are facing uh, Cagliari, um, an uninspired side right now. Uh, failed to score in their last four matches against Fiorentina. Um, and they've also conceded at least a goal in each of their last 12 home games, um, which is one of the longest streaks. It's the second longest streak they've ever gone on. Um, and I don't take them, um, you know, giving Fiorentina any sort of fight this weekend. Um, if the game gets played, they are also having a COVID outbreak. Uh, through their side. So we will see how that goes. Um, just a fun fact uh, to, to give you uh, some perspective on what Fiorentina is doing as a whole this season. Um, Fiorentina have scored as many as 40 goals after 20 Serie A, Serie A games from the start of the season for the first time since 2013-14. In each of the eight times they've scored as many as or this amount of goals at this point in the season, They've finished in the top five of the Serie A each time. Damn. So it is looking good for the boys in purple. Uh, I'm to finish start topping top around six. for one of these fucking kits, aren't I? Uh, no, however, no, 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 no. However, there still is uncertainty in the Dusan Vlahovic camp. He, uh, it looks like, waved goodbye to the home side um, after the match this past weekend. Um, so we're going to, uh, we're going to have to wait and see, but Arsenal are still trying to attack and swoop the striker, uh, this winter window. I don't think it's going to happen, but I've never wanted Arsenal to sign a player more in my fucking life than right now. (laughs) I, for some reason, this this guy has Murata written all over him for me. I don't know. I don't even care. I just want him out of fucking Fiorentina. I want him out of Florence. Get him the Fuck out of that side. We can't have Mitchell being right. But uh, it is looking sunny, uh, partly cloudy, uh, with a chance of COVID this weekend. So we'll see how uh, how things shake out. But I take Fiorentino winning handsomely 3-1. Back to you in the studio, Josh. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll stay on the topic of transfer news here. Just a couple quick, quick stories, quick things to touch on. First one's Diego Carlos, uh, the defender from Sevilla, rumored to go to Newcastle. Newcastle's starting to kind of make some some big moves here, uh, especially towards the end of the transfer window. Uh, I I don't know. I think Newcastle will stay up. I've changed my mind. I would like to agree with you, but they're so fucking bad. Imagine if Trippier went down to the championship, how funny that would be. I mean, if they'd be the richest club down there by a considerable distance. They would set a record that would not be broken for a very long time. How far are they down right now? They're in in 19th, 20 games played. They're on 12 points. So, Watford are on 14. Watford do have a game in hand. Everton are that far down. Wow, Everton's only on 19. That's wild. I told you, Agent Rafa wasn't fucking around. I don't know. Yeah, New, Newcastle has some talents. Imagine if Newcastle got relegated and like St. Maximin, those those dogs. Uh, it's it's honestly going to be like Arthur Blank going down to the sidelines at, at the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl, like thinking that it was over. <laughs> and like, I can't Real. wait to see the camera angle of the owners just sad in the box when their team's getting demoted. I love that. That girl's face is just so funny to me. Every time I see her, I laugh. Um, <laughs> the other big ones, uh, Usmane Dembele contract situation at Barcelona. Apparently, if he doesn't renew, Xavi said today that he's going to be gone in January. Where he's going to go in the next 10 days, I know Liverpool's kind of hinted around it in the past, but I, I don't see them going in for a winger. No, no, I don't. But, one. I mean, if, if if we need an AFCON replacement right now in the next 10 days, I wouldn't mind taking Dembele. I mean, we... Uh, who did we who did we sign when we lost all of our center backs last year and then promptly Ozan loaned him out? 
No, 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 no. Um, oh, um, Dave Ben Davies. Ben Davies. Yeah, he's he's at. Is he still at Nottingham? He's Not at Nottingham. Sheffield. I Sheffield. Sheffield. Um, so like, I feel, I don't think it would turn into one of those signings where we just instantly loan him out to a a side like that. Um, he's somebody you'd want at least in the team um, with not a lot of viable attacking options right now. But I I don't see Liverpool dropping the money that that Barca is gonna demand for it. I don't know who where else he could even go though uh, at this point. Newcastle. That's not a bad shout, honestly. It, Villa. Villa's kind of loaded on the wings. I mean, it, it maybe they Villa, are. Are they looking to ship out like El Ghazi or Trezeguet? Might be looking to get I rid mean, of Trezeguet. If they get rid of if they get rid of Trezeguet. I thought El Ghazi went already. I thought El- he was. Okay, so I'm thinking about Trezeguet then. I think you are. Oh right. yeah, El Ghazi went to uh, Everton. Did he? Right. And, yeah, he went the opposite way in the D name yeah. move. Oh, yeah. you are right. You are right. Yep. So, I don't know if hey, if Stevie G is rolling this window, I doubt they have the budget to to pick up three fairly large signings but uh it could be a viable option mm-hmm. possibly and then the last big one uh pierre-emerick Aubameyang, um al nassar uh saudi arabia ha- has came in with a big surprise bid apparently this has been again these are all like today stories um this is a shock move if that happened and he went to saudi arabia this young that would be insane I could see it happening, though. He, he's a bag chaser. Yeah, and he definitely just – it feels like he just wants the fuck out of Arsenal, too. So Saudi League, the new Chinese League? Maybe. Either I, or. How does Arsenal appoint their captains, man? It's insane. They, they draw a name out of the hat. Any other transfer news you guys can think of, or do you want to head on over to the previews for this week? Let's head on over to the previews. We've done enough talking about transfers so we have quite a few picks again we have one of the another kind of like loaded sheet uh we have a multiple picks for a few games here we're gonna stay in england there's a couple other games uh that i kind of have marked as ones to watch if if you're sitting around trying to find a game this weekend we're only doing picks for the prem though 6 30 a.m fiorentina (laughs) yeah Fiorentina. Cagliari. Uh, the other two, the other one to watch in Italy is on Sunday, Milan, AC Milan versus Juventus. That one's going to be a good one. And then in Germany, the one to look out for this weekend is Hoffenheim versus Dortmund. Dortmund's kind of slacking off. They lost in, I believe, the the Pokal or the German Cup to um, St. Pauli, like 2-1. Yeah, uh, dude. I was getting really the notifications one. for that game. and I, The goal notifications because I just like pay attention. Dortmund are like, I, I guess I kind of like them in Germany. I don't know. I root for them. It's the only team Bayern. that can challenge Bayern. Uh, yeah. I saw that they were down 2 0 at one point to St. Pauli. And I was just like, oh yeah. my God. What yeah, is Holland happening? got a penalty, I think, in the 58th minute. Um, mm-hmm. Weird one. And Hoffenheim's pretty good. I think they're in fourth place right now. So that'll be a good one to watch in Germany to see if they can pull off an upset. Regardless. Yeah, I mean, the the German table is a little close too. So if if Dortmund can win this game, they're only three points behind Bayern. So that's wild because it seems like Dortmund have been shit this year. I, I don't know if that's because Champions League or they just. Feel... I think it's mostly because of the Champions League, and they started the season pretty bad, but they went on a nice little run, like the middle of their of their current season. Mm-hmm. Regardless, we have five games to kind of look at here. Um, we'll start off in Manchester actually with Manchester United West Ham. This one's weird because West Ham just lost a weird one to Leeds here at the weekend. Manchester United did beat Brentford. However, they're coming off another um, their past weekend result where they obviously drew with Villa. It's kind of a weird one. I, I pick Cristiano Ronaldo to score plus 110. I have sucked on player prop bets. He's kind of due to score a goal. So I, I am going to roll the dice on this one. I also just think that talk with Ragnick after the game uh, might be some source of inspiration for him. So I actually like that. And him to score plus 110 is an awful value. And then I have Manchester United draw no bet. That's minus 245. I know horrible odds, but we're going to roll the dice on that one. West Ham just haven't 
it seems like they're hitting another one of those kind of turbulent runs of weird form. Um, so yeah. not really safe. To yeah. On. Yeah. No, I agree with that. That being said, I am, I think that West Ham are going to beat Man United, but really you think they're going to beat them? Disaster. Maybe not beat them, but I don't think, I don't know. It just feels like one of those games that like United, you know, they beat Brentford three, one today, yeah. the stuff with Ron and Ragnick and like, they haven't really looked, super convincing in any of their games against like even decent opposition um and i don't know i think i think west ham might have the the gall to you know come away old Trafford for the point uh maybe that's just me being the fucking one who likes to be like you know what nah the the thing that's probably not supposed to happen is gonna happen Fair. but old trafford has been no fortress this season so nah, a lot of a teams fortress in about 10 years just saying. We'll, we'll stay in the Manchester realm, not in Manchester. We're actually heading down to the south coast of England, Southampton versus Man City. This one's going to be a good one. Uh, Man City, I'm going to take a minus one and a half. That's minus 125 odds, which I know this one's going to sound weird if you're familiar with this head-to-head matchup. City are only 2-1-1 one, one against Southampton in the past four. Uh, they're also, they've only won their last three game Premier League games in a row by just a goal. So they haven't won one by multiple goals in the Premier League in a week or two. So I'm kind of favoring them for a big win here. I'm, I'm hoping they can get some offense going. Um, Southampton, well, they just had a really good result against Brentford. Uh, sucked against Wolves. If it wasn't for that James Ward-Prowse banger, they would have lost 3-0. Um, mm-hmm. So I favor a City win. I favor it by more than a goal. Yeah, I, I think they're due a big win, too. I also think it's important to note that despite the fact they've only won by one goal in their last three, you kind of got to look at the opposition that they played. Yeah, The Emirates fair. became kind of a tough place to go to in the last couple of years, despite City normally killing them. I don't know. That was just a weird game. But Arsenal played really well. Um, and then even hosting Chelsea, you're hosting Chelsea. That's There's never going to be a big amount of goals in that. And Brentford and, you know, the other game, Brentford, Brentford have shown that like their home stadium is a kind of a tough place to go play. So I, I think three kind of tough games back to back to back. Um, I favor city a lot in this game. I think if I'm not mistaken, city are the best team away from home this season as well. Um, I feel I'm pretty sure just about everyone is fully fit. So yeah, I, I favor city pretty heavily in this game. I think, I think they're going to kill them. And um, I also think that the win against Chelsea last week was kind of a, a, a one hand on the Premier League title kind of thing is what it feels like right now. I didn't get a chance to say that because we haven't really yeah. been into a review from last week. This week, we're, we're kind of just talking about some other shit, catching back up on Josh's picks and whatever. But uh, I'd like to make it known that I think City uh, would need a complete collapse uh, in order for them to not be walking away Premier League champions this year. And Liverpool can, I believe, with a game in hand, cut it to eight with a win? Two, two games in hand. Okay. You have two in hand. We have, we're 13. City are 13 clear right now, but you guys have two games in hand, I believe. Gotcha. So, so it's still... So with two wins, seven. we would cut it We would cut it to... Uh, oh, no. You you played uh, the other day. It's, it's, it's one game now. It's 11 points. So, yeah. Win cuts it to eight. You were right, Josh. So... I did, so I would have been on your train here a little bit, Pat, of like City having one hand on the title. I've been saying that for about two weeks now. What I did like is after that Brentford game, Klopp still went over to the cop and did his like fist bump. And that kind of felt like emphatic as like, uh, we still have a chance. Like we're still in this, like we are Liverpool. Uh, I really did enjoy that. That was kind of, I didn't get to watch much soccer traveling last weekend. So Mm. that was my big takeaway, especially from the Liverpool game is like, even in like the most weirdest of circumstances where like city have kind of just run away with the title out of nowhere. Uh, Klopp doing that little fist bump at the end of the game, like just kind of gave me hope that like nothing is really settled yet. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, you can't just like count Liverpool out of a title race, especially this Liverpool team, man. But it's just like, are city really dropping eight points? Yeah. Are they really going to drop eight points? this season? Like the, the it just feels uh, it feels like that. I don't, I don't know. City Twitter have kind of given them this nickname of the inevitables, and it just feels like they're they're inevitable, man. It's it's just like it, they feel so hard to stop. Fair enough. 
And we're talking about Liverpool here. So, Mitch, why don't you give me your thoughts first on uh, Liverpool Palace this weekend? This is a one that's been pretty entertaining over the past couple of years. It it has been. Um, however, the one thing we haven't had to deal with is AFCON. It seems like the big goal scorers that show up against Palace, Sadio Mane being one of them, seems to always find a goal or two in, in these matchups. Um and then in the in the fixture last uh last time out it was uh three nil with a goal from each of our AFCON boys. I didn't so, notice that when I was writing that so, down. It was funny. You know, I think um having a squad that was able to go grind out a really solid performance. Um, you know, Ox looked phenomenal. Trent was uh back to his normal self. Um Robbo looked fantastic. Taki um, had an unbelievable birthday game. Um, it, it felt like a, a, a good, solid win. Um, so I'm, I'm confident with, with what we have going forward. I think we'll see a, another good performance from Curtis. Um, hopefully gets a, a few more chances than he, he probably should have had against Brentford. Um, but I, uh, I see Liverpool winning this easily, probably 3-1 again. Yeah, so I had the the pick for this one is Liverpool minus 1, plus 105. Good good odds on that pick. Obviously, we're looking for Liverpool to win by more than one there. Uh, And we also have a separate pick of Liverpool to win and hold a clean sheet. So that's like a combined pick. That's plus 270. We're picking that one because Liverpool have won and held a clean sheet the last four times they played Palace. In those four games, they've outscored them sixteen to nothing. So uh, they've got battered. In the do we see? Game. Do we see like a back line of Simikas, Virgil, and Kanate? Yeah, it could be. Trent I, I on the right. Klopp rotating a little bit. Uh, it is hard to drop Robbo, especially like when we had a. Or no, sorry, we are playing Arsenal tomorrow on my birthday. Um, so. Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. Like, humble wish me happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> happy, happy birthday from the main Santa. Josh, I didn't know it was his birthday the day after this episode comes out or the day after we record it. We're, but turn it up tonight. Happy uh, birthday. Anyway, I, I could see Simi starting against Arsenal maybe. I don't. I think it's hard to drop Robbo after that game he had uh, this weekend against Brentford. I might pick Robbo to start. Um but we'll, we'll see what the defense looks like. I could definitely see Kanate playing. Listen, the last time you picked the left back to start on the main stand, he didn't, and then I gave up fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. That was a tough one because I pretty much I, – I gave a mortal you lock hard on lock. You mortal lock, Simicost. That, yeah, that was bad. When that team sheet came out, I died laughing. <laughs> we need to uh, – Fabinho lately too, man. That guy has turned into the Brazilian Ronaldo in January. Three goals. He, oh, I love Fabinho so much, man. Yeah, I think he'll have another game good against form. Palace. Um, that's, so that's the preview for Palace-Liverpool. Everton-Villa is the next one. Uh, two picks here again. Uh, I think he's uh, Jared's going to start Coutinho, and I think it's going to be an automatic impact. So I have the Aston Villa uh, first goal, so they just have to score first. Minus 105. Pretty good odds on that. And then Villa draw no bet. Minus 110. I could see you know Duncan pulling off a draw here. If, you get to, if it's a draw, get your money back. I do think Villa are the better team. I think this might be the best pick of the weekend because um, I think Villa will go to Goodison and do fairly well. Every time I see DNB in your notes, I know it's I know it means draw or draw no bet. Yep. But I always think of it as do not bet. <laughs> I'm like, why are you telling these people? Fade me. This if you don't think they should bet on it. He's a scammer. <laughs> And then the the last one here as we wrap things up for the week, Chelsea Tottenham. This is a this is the big match of the weekend here in the Premier League. Uh, they just played like a week and a half ago though in the uh, EFL Cup, I believe. Uh, Chelsea won that one one nil, uh, pretty tight. Uh, Chelsea have only scored three in three games. They're really starting to hiccup, and that's why I kind of brought up the Liverpool thing. Is people were so quick to write Liverpool off when they were dropping games and saying, oh, Chelsea's going to overtake them in second. Chelsea have been shit lately, man. And I called that like a month ago that Chelsea were going to drop. And boy, have they. They're, they can't even get points against Brighton. And 
Uh, I just don't see him getting much out of this game offensively. For Spurs, that that win tonight really reassured me that they are building something. And this is one of those bogey games where it's like everything gets thrown out of the window. Tottenham might not be favored. You know, Tottenham are still – Spurs are Spurs at the end of the day. But it is one of those games where it just gets – it's like Arsenal. It throws out the window and it's like a surprise result and they upset them. That's what I'm picking Tottenham for. Uh, another draw, no belt bet plus two ninety five, which is ridiculous. So all Tottenham has to do is draw. You get your money back if they win. Plus two ninety five is like triple your money. Good odds, yeah. And then uh, I have this under two point five goals as well. So that's minus one fifteen, which I think is pretty yeah. likely too. Yeah, I think that's a good. That, that feels like a pretty good bet. I, I think you're also spot on with Everton Villa being the bet of the weekend, but. Yeah. I think if we were we were doing like a like a top three or like a, like an honorable mention, best bet for the weekend, I think it would be Chelsea, this Chelsea Tottenham bet here. Um, I, I also do favor Tottenham going into this one too. I think Chelsea have kind of been sputtering lately, and I just I'm not convinced by them going forward. Um, they have just like a, a weird their their top goal scorers are like Jorginho, and then their defenders. Are like yeah. they have like the most goals this season from defenders out of any other club. I, they, I don't know, man. They're just like a, they're a really funny side. How did they um, win the Champions League? Uh, Pep didn't start a defensive midfielder. Bump, bump, bump. And I think that if wraps up most of our analytics for the week. Do you guys have anything else to add here as we wrap up? Nah, the episode? feels I feel I like nothing. a week. Yeah, it's kind of a moderate week, just one of those January weeks. We're kind of getting through the transfer window here. It's uh, busy with the the cup fixtures and stuff, but uh, we have Champions League coming up soon. I think those are going to be some really fun episodes. I think we also have some fun content planned in general, kind of more similar to that that FIFA draft, which was definitely one of our more popular videos. So I think we have more stuff coming like that. Uh, And with Champions League coming back, we're going to have some really cool stuff coming out. So stay tuned and... uh, keep up on all the social all that stuff oh yeah uh yeah thanks for getting this far in the episode if you did uh, a little bit of a shorter one this week kind of similar to last week um make sure you welcome josh back to the to the to the bar home and wish me happy birthday on the thing or i'll fucking yeah wish josh happy birthday account. on social media or i'm gonna fucking punch you you're gonna get hit by the burner yeah josh will get on the main stand and start tweeting at you guys Hey, I don't mean to be that guy and like swagger jack your birthday or anything, but oh, Mitch's is coming up too. Mitch's is going to be before the next episode. My birthday is also before the next episode. My birthday is on Tuesday. Wish Mitchell a happy birthday. Wish Josh a happy birthday, and wish my younger brother a happy birthday too, bitches. Yeah, Ben, if you're listening, it's my birthday. He's not. (laughs) Not yours. We love you. Do the thing, share the thing, play it on the loudspeakers at your local house party. Uh, This has been episode 23 of the Main Stand Podcast. We will see you next week. Deuces. Peace.